is Teresa Treat, Associate Editor of Current Directions in Psychological Science. Today's guest is Bruce Cuthbert. He's the head of the Research Domain Criteria Unit at the National Institute of Mental Health. Dr. Cuthbert authored a recently published article in Current Directions in Psychological Science that is titled Research Domain Criteria, RDOC, Progress and Potential. Bruce, I'm delighted to have a chance to speak with you today about your RDOC work at NIMH. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. So could you get us started by providing a broad overview of RDOC? And could you help us understand why the field needed an alternative framework for conceptualizing and studying mental disorders when we already had the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, or the DSM? Sure. So first, um, RDOC is a research framework for psychopathology uh, that takes an alternative view to the DSM. RDOC uh, is defined as new ways of studying mental disorders based on dimensions of observable behavior and neurobiological measures. In other words, we are looking at basic fundamental functions that all uh, humans have uh, responding to threats, uh, working for reward, working memory, uh, social processes, and so forth. And we look at these from a basic idea, not so much saying these are problems, but that we all have these basic functions. And we look at mental disorders as being uh, what happens when these functions go wrong and become abnormal or dysregulated in various ways, rather than looking at our traditional approaches. Uh, and we think that this is much more suited uh, for our modern research environment where we have such good technologies like neural imaging, sophisticated psychometric tasks, genetics, and so forth. The reason that we started this is that increasingly uh, through the 80s and the 90s, investigators were telling us that uh, the DSM organization of disorders really didn't match up with the kinds of data that we were getting uh, from increasingly sophisticated studies. And in brief, I think the reason for this, if we go back to the 18th and 19th centuries, uh, the history of medicine was initially to define disorders by symptoms uh, across all areas. And then increasingly, as medical technologies came into being in the 19th century, people started actually working out the mechanisms, say for diabetes with the pancreas and so forth, <clears throat> edema, heart disease, and so forth, with the result that we've made in incredible progress in preventing death and morbidity uh, and with so many disorders. However, due to the complexity of the brain and behavior, this has been much more difficult to do. Uh, and so when the field of psychiatry and psychology emerged from the psychoanalytic era in the 60s and 70s, there were just no good technologies available to follow what their other areas had done uh, across the centuries. So instead, they essentially came back with what the old diagnoses had been, schizophrenia, manic depressive illness, which is now bipolar disorder, of course, and other areas, uh, and established those disorders on the basis of symptoms. This was a tremendous advance uh, that enabled the modern era of mental health research and clinical treatments. But as we get uh, increasing progress with all of our new technologies, increasingly you can see that these symptom-based diagnoses just don't work for our modern ways of thinking about disorders. And so RDOC is designed to look at these fundamental mechanisms, just like other areas of medicine, and try to understand how they work across 
the normal population, and then understand what goes wrong in various ways to eventuate in psychopathology. So RDOC represents a really important paradigm shift in the field. Um, could you provide an example of how a clinical phenomenon is being profitably studied from an RDOC perspective rather than a DSM perspective? Yes, uh, there is a well-known study called BSNP uh, that is, uh, looks at patients with schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, and psychotic bipolar disorder, and is led both by clinical scientists like Brett Clements and John Sweeney and psychiatrists like Carol Tamaga and many others. Uh, the investigators recorded a large number of measures from their patients, including uh, cognitive tasks like the BACS task for schizophrenia and the stop signal task, as well as many other measures, including event-related potentials uh, about just simple auditory stimuli or visual stimuli in anticipation of those stimuli or in uh, response to them. And rather than simply comparing the three diagnostic classes, uh, they took all those measures and put them into a big factor analysis and found that there were two major factors of cognitive performance and sensory motor reactivity. That is the extent to which uh, the event-related potentials were uh, either very reactive, very highly responsive, or actually very blunted. And then when they looked at a cluster analysis of those factors, they found three biotypes, as they called them. The first was a group with very impaired cognitive function and extremely blunted sensory motor reactivity with the event-related potentials. A second biotype also had extremely impaired cognitive function, almost but not quite as impoverished as that first biotype, but this group had very highly reactive uh, sensory motor reactivity. And finally, a third biotype uh, had almost normal data for both the cognitive scores and the sensory motor reactivity nevertheless had su sufficient symptoms to meet full criteria for one or the other of those disorders. And importantly, those disorders, all three of them were spread across these three biotypes. And so we have a different way of understanding these biotypes and other measures validated the, the nature of these biotypes. For instance, they found that there were poorer scores in the Birchwood social functioning scale for both those first two biotypes that were so impoverished cognitively, but not in the third biotype. Uh, and very significantly, when they looked at gray matter loss on structural MRIs, uh, the greatest gray matter loss was observed in the first biotype, not so much in the second and much less in the third. And none of those measures were included in how they defined the biotypes originally. So they were independent by uh, validators. Furthermore, uh, uh, pro the probands showed those data, but their related relatives also showed similar problems, but not meeting necessarily meaningful criteria across the biotypes. So this suggests a really totally different way to think about a psychotic disorder spectrum. And the group now is actually looking at some clinical trials to see if that actually is a good predictor for response that would do a better job than the traditional DSM diagnoses. Well, thank you very much. That's a very illuminating um, example to hear about. You note in the paper that views of mental disorders have changed considerably over the past decade. How have they changed, and in what ways do you think that RDOC has played a role in this? I think that the field as a whole is realizing uh, that we can have a different view of these disorders. And one of the problems has been that when the DSM-3 came out in 1980, these suggested 
conditions rapidly became reified, especially in North America, to be seen as natural kinds, that is specific disease entities. We are now realizing that our disorders are actually broad syndromes rather than specific diseases. Uh, and so uh, one particular quote, for instance, from Will Carpenter, a senior schizophrenia researcher, is that uh, there are, is an emerging change in research priorities that reflects a new emphasis and porous diagnostic boundaries with increased attention to similarities and differences between disorders. Also, a focus on deconstructing heterogeneous clinical syndromes in order to identify specific elements of pathology as advancing science, often in a dimensional framework without diagnostic specificity. You wouldn't see that kind of comment anywhere 10 years ago. This is a new idea. And I think a, a, a beautiful summary uh, of this idea came out in a paper by Steve Hyman, the former director of NIMH, who just wrote a recent paper called Psychiatric Disorders Grounded in Human Biology But Not Natural Kinds. And he concluded that modern studies are consistent with psychiatric disorders as heterogeneous quantitative deviations from health. Again, a complete 180 shift from the idea that we define disorders on the basis of symptoms and then look for them uh, in the biology or the behavior. That's just fascinating, Bruce. What role do developmental and environmental influences play in our doc, given that they are not specified as units of analysis or as response systems within our doc? That's a good question. Uh, we have tried as much as possible to provide minimal constraints on what researchers study. We define these particular constructs using the traditional psychological term as these basic functions like responses to threat, uh, working for reward and so forth. We tried to leave everything else open in order to give researchers the latitude to study the particular components of their research designs that they find most pressing. Uh, in that, to that extent, we then did not define much in the way of the environmental influences, even though they are extremely important, uh, gave a few examples. And similarly, we tried to leave things open for development. However, development is obviously very complex because we have constructs that may eventually wind up as adult functions, like how you respond to threat or paying attention that have a developmental trajectory. And so the kind of behavior that you see or the way you think about a construct changes across development. And you can see uh, delays in development. So what may look like some abnormality to disorder, maybe some just somewhat delayed development and the actual nature of the constructs and what we measure are different. So we've been working with the field to provide some better guidance as to how uh, investigators can come in with RDOC-oriented studies. That said, we still have a very robust portfolio of developmental studies uh, at NIMH that we're very happy about, uh, and we continue to see a great deal of interest in the developmental area and also with uh, new ideas about how to measure environmental influences and incorporate them in our, uh, our studies. Okay. So some critics have argued that RDOC is consistent with a reductionistic view of mental illness that prioritizes or perhaps privileges biological levels of analysis and devalues behavioral levels of analysis. How do you respond to these concerns? That's an understandable concern because some of the initial 
publications about RDoC uh, talked about mental disorders as brain disorders and emphasizing clinical neuroscience. This largely reflected uh, the motivation of our director, Dr. Tom Insel, mostly to address the psychiatry field where most of the clinicians had a background in psychodynamic therapies. And he was really trying to say, look, we need to also study brain activity and behavioral neuroscience and look at those things as well as psychodynamic theory. So he was really trying to push the other idea to get more people interested. Uh, but it's understandable that a lot of people concluded uh, that that was what RDoC was about. In fact, one of the big things we're trying to address is the longstanding problem of the mind-body issues that we tend to take some psychological theories as the mind, and so mental disorders are disorders of the mind, and then other people say it's just all reductionistic, and if we just look at molecules and cells and circuits, we don't even need to think about behavior or mind states. We take the approach that neither, both of those are important, but neither is significant only in and of itself. We have to look at the relationships between these measures to truly understand mental disorders. And so we're looking at brain behavior relationships and trying to emphasize integrating different measurement systems like physiology, behavior, people's self-reports of their subjective states, and put that all together to get an integrated view. And that's what RDoC is really about. Okay, that's very helpful, thank you. What role, if any, does RDoC currently play in clinical assessment and treatment? Uh, what challenges have emerged and do you have any thoughts about how to tackle them moving forward? Yes, we initially described RDoC as a framework for research that was not intended to be a psychiatric nosology. And for the most part, we still emphasize that view. However, given the problems in many areas with treatments for specific DSM disorders, and we know that for most of our disorders, any given treatment is only effective for around 50% of the patients, there has been a lot of interest in actually moving ahead with a sort of precision and medicine approach using RDoC constructs, either in singly or in combination. I should emphasize that it's important in many cases to look at combinations of constructs and not simply a single construct. And so for instance, with uh, pharmaceutical companies, they have a lot of interest in looking at very specific aspects of problems like anhedonia and looking at various reward-related constructs, again, cutting across different uh, disorders to see if particular uh, compounds could be useful for a very specific indication rather than a DSM disorder. And that's an example. And there are other areas uh, across all aspects of disorders. Some people have changed their diagnostic approaches uh, in the psychotic spectrum with the understanding that a particular diagnosis changes with the course of illness. And if they leave it more open in terms of exactly what kinds of functions are uh, impaired, that gives a better idea for diagnosis than simply labeling a given DSM diagnosis. Should be said that, you know, we do anticipate this evolving in the future, but it will be a gradual change. It's not as though the current DSM system will be changed overnight. Of course. Could you help us understand the role of computational approaches to studying mental illness within the RDoC framework? and um, perhaps provide an example of their potential application to a clinical problem. Yes, um, we are 
really ramping up the priorities for computational approaches under the leadership of our director, Dr. Joshua Gordon. Uh, and this is certainly something that's particularly germane for RDOC because as I mentioned, we are trying to look at the relationship between these measures such as between behavioral functions and physiological activity. These things are particularly well suited to computational models where you can actually specify the parameters of a different, of a one kind of paradigm and then look at how actual data align with a particular kind of set of parameters that predict what should happen. And you can sort of work on those parameters to try to validate the optimal model. A good example of this is in reinforcement learning where people just learn to expect rewards given a certain set of stimuli that on a given trial, you will get a reward or maybe a small reward or a large reward, or you'll get a negative uh, reward and lose money, or it doesn't matter. And you see different rates of how people, how quickly people understand uh, the learning process and how likely they are to get a reward or not. And so you can look at that across different kinds of people and look at that as a measure rather than simply saying it's different in schizophrenia than bipolar, for instance. And so those kinds of models are increasingly being developed across many areas, uh, not simply reinforcement learning, which is currently the, the priority in the field or the leading kind of model. Uh, and they are being looked at many different areas, children with aggressive behaviors that you can do modeling of functional connectivity during uh, children's perceptions of different emotional faces and so forth. So we have a lot going on and we think that this is a really big growth area that can really help RDOC do its job of specifying how these interactions between different measurement systems work. That's very cool. So as a final closing question for today, um, what do you expect to see from RDOC within the next, say, decade? Yes. We do feel like we're just really uh, coming into our adolescence uh, as a project. In fact, uh, <laughs> a, a recent investigator made that comment in a journal. And we do feel that we're growing in many areas. One of the big growth areas is in fact computational modeling, both those paradigms that we can use to look at relationships among systems, but also other kinds of computational models that can be used to look at different biotypes for precision clinical phenotypes. And in fact, the BSNP study that we discussed a few moments ago is a very good example of what's called a data-driven uh, machine learning application of looking at these clusters or biotypes given a very complex set of data. So we intend to use those uh, and move forward. And we hope that we can actually speed up our ability to specify very precise kinds of disruptions in various kinds of functioning and use those uh, in a practical clinical way to predict outcomes, predict the best treatments and so forth. And another really important aspect that we haven't emphasized so much is the idea of the dimensional aspects of functioning ranging from typical behavior through somewhat impaired to increasingly uh, severe degrees of impairment. And so this can help us understand transitions from normal functioning to varying degrees in psychopathology. And that in turn may really foster prevention studies that can uh, record data that would suggest that some 
uh, a child or adolescent is drifting with increasing impairments, uh, that we could actually act to preempt those problems with appropriate interventions. So those are the kinds of issues that we are really looking forward to over the decades to come. Well, that's all the time we have for today, unfortunately, Bruce. Um, many thanks for your visionary leadership of RDOC and for taking the time to talk with us today about your outstanding Current Directions article. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, chat with me, and this has been very enjoyable and interesting. Thank you for your interest in this.